1,000 kilometers per minute and never come back. You, you can try that. But why is it so? Because I believe that because of modernization, because, you know, we, we, we all, it's all about technology. It's all about certificates from universities and getting technology and having this kind of tech and that kind of technology. And uh, because of that, because of our outwardness, everything is about the outside. Nothing anymore is about the inside. The destruction of, of the world and the environment as we see it is in reality only an externalization of the crisis that we have inside ourselves. I have a son-in-law who's a psychologist. And he was saying the other night that he was asked to give a small talk at the Majid that he frequents. And I asked him, what is he going to speak about? And he said to me, he's going to talk about young people who don't want to be Muslim anymore. And I nearly fell off the chair. I fell off my chair. I said, what are you going to speak about? He said, I want to speak about young people that he sees, he's a psychologist, so he sees these people. Parents send their children to him because children don't want to pray, they don't want to be Muslim. Subhanallah. So there's a breakdown, there's an internal breakdown. There's a crisis of the inner state of the soul of humanity. That's why so many people see psychiatrists. So many people see psychologists. So many people are into natural health. So many people go to the gym. They don't mind how much they spend to go to the gym because they think that the physical body will, will liberate them from their problems and their troubles. They sink their, they sink their problems in their sweat. So the more you sweat, the better you feel. The endorphins come, to li- come, come alive. You feel good. You go, on a, you go on a physical high, as they say. But you know what I'm talking about. I've been there, I know what I'm talking about. So, we've lost the internal dimension of inwardness, of inside, the taqwa. We'll, 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 we'll speak about that. And... The start of this was the beginning of what we see here today. And we have to become conscious of the world that we live in. That the scientific worldview, that everything can be reduced to numbers and physics, and seeing is believing. You can't see something, don't believe it. This scientific worldview that is, was given to us, of course, by, by Europe, by the West. What was the function of this technological advance? What did, they, what did they intend with this? We read Francis Bacon, for example. Francis Bacon, many of you will know him. He was asked, but you know, why this headlong plunge into technology and science and experimentation? What is the purpose of this? And he said, it is to gain power over nature. We must control nature. We must overcome nature. We must dominate nature. We must exploit the resources of this world. Not for the glory of Allah, not for the glory of God, but for the sake of gaining world power and wealth. And this is what we teach our children. My child, you're going to get a degree, you must become wealthy. You must become the CEO of your company. 
You don't mind your inner self. You mind destroy yourself. But this is the objective of life. And it started in the 16th century in Europe. Today, I mean, we, my daughter sent me an email the other day to say that they're now going to scrape the bottom of the ocean. They're going to go right down deep into the ocean. They're going to take whatever is underneath and they're also going to use that. Not for the benefit of mankind, but for the control of nature. And what does Islam teach us about the world? What does Islam say about this world? Is the world a sacred place? Yes, the Prophet ﷺ said, Al-ardu kulluha masjid. Nabi ﷺ said, the whole world is a masjid. That statement is just not a statement. That statement is a, subhanallah. If we had lived just according to that statement, we would not have the environmental degradation and ecological disasters that we have today. The Prophet said the whole world is meaning what? Meaning that the whole world is a sacred space. The whole world is a place where you can make sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The whole world should be looked after. But the world for us Muslims have also become smaller and smaller and smaller. I mean, our deen is now confined to these four walls. When we go out here, many of us take our faces off. Uh, we don't want to walk with the top in the seat. We've confined ourselves only to the masjid. If there's no Ramadan, we won't pray at home. Everything must happen in the masjid. The world is not a masjid anymore. The world is not an oyster anymore. If we look at the month of Ramadan, I'm, to, I'm talking today about this inner and outer, this inner dimension and the outer dimension. And now we've lost the development of our inside and everything is centered on the outside. Ramadan, what is Ramadan? Ramadan is a school. It's a madrasa. It's a madrasa where you, it's not a madrasa where you learn facts and figures or how to do things. It's a madrasa of experience. It's a madrasa of the development of taqwa. Where you should become, where you should spend time with Allah. Taqwa means to spend time with Allah. It means to be consciously spending time with Allah. Not just going up and down for salah or fast or staying away from food. No. Fasting is a month, a madrasa where you have to experience Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It, of course it's a month in which we learn many other things. We learn, we renew our sense of generosity. We renew our sense of patience. We don't shout anymore. We, we are more patient in the month of Ramadan. We are forgiving in the month of Ramadan. We are loving in the month of Ramadan. Ramadan seems to bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't do the stuff that we do outside of Ramadan. We try and stay away from that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is displeased with. And so this month of training, if we can stay without food and water and sexuality for a whole month, and these are the highest desires that man has. He wants to eat, he wants to drink, and he wants to satisfy sexual whatever it may be, then this month should be able to be carried over to Shawwal because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, is the Lord of Ramadan, He's also the Lord of Shawwal, He's also the Lord of the Al-Qa'dah, of Al-Hijjah, of Muharram, and so forth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not only the Lord of Ramadan. 
Although it seems like it. Allah is the Lord of all 12 months. So what we learn in Ramadan, what we do in Ramadan, we should be able to carry over to Shawwal. That's why it's so good to fast also in the month of Shawwal. But what is happening? <clears throat> why is it that when Eid comes, everything changes? In fact, we hasten Eid. We wanted Eid to be today. What is the difference? Tomorrow, today, Sunday, Monday. Same world we live in, same people, same masjid, same deen. Get up in the morning, go sleep at night, you're still the same person. Let's look at some of the things that we do. And you know, everything has a physical dimension and everything has a spiritual dimension. And I want you to listen carefully. I thought a lot about this. I had a lot of time to think about this Jummah that I'm making today. Everything has a physical and a spiritual. And there are five pillars. We're just going to talk about the five pillars. Bunya al-Islamu ala khams. Prophet said this deen is built on five pillars. Shahadatu Allah ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasul. The first pillar is shahada, iman. Has the iman got a physical side and a spiritual side? We'll come back to that later on. Let's start with salah. Let's start with salah. Has Salah got a physical dimension and a spiritual dimension? Of course it has. The phys- this physical dimension is you stand in the Qibla, you make sujood, you make ruku', you make salam. And that's, that, that, is the, that is the physical part of making Salah. But then Salah also has a, a spiritual dimension. That dimension which we should be developing in the month of Ramadan. That dimension where Nabi Allah says in the Hadith Qudasi, that salah that you make in order to glorify the majesty of Allah. Not just to go down and to stand and to make... No, but that salah which makes you glorify the majesty of Allah. That salah which brings you... Not brings you close to Allah, it makes you think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How many times do we think about Allah when we make salah? 90% of the time we think about other things. How long is the Jummah going to be... How cold is it outside? Is it raining? Is it not raining? I'm feeling cold, I'm feeling hot, or whatever it may be. So, Salah has essentially, and it's Ramadan that must bring out that spiritual dimension. And Zakah, Zakah has a physical dimension. You take out your money, you give it to the poor and the needy, your family, whoever it is, you dish it out, mashallah. And the first thing that should make you think when you give zakah and whether, you ha- and whether you're doing it for the sake of Allah is you test your joy when you give zakah. You test your joy. Because if you're angry when you give zakah or you're unhappy when you give zakah, then you're in big trouble, extremely big trouble. If it's difficult for you to take your zakah, if it's difficult for you to sit down on your computer or with your book and to write down what you have and to calculate every single cent that you must give, then you must know your trouble has started. Because the inward is rotten. The money is in your pocket or in your bank. And you don't want to let go of it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, خُذْ مِنْ أَمْوَالِهِمْ صَدَقَةً تُطَاهِرُهُمْ بِهَا وَتُزَكِّهِمْ 
Allah says, Oh Muhammad, take from, your, from the wealth zakat to do what? To purify them. To purify what? To purify the heart from selfishness, from greed, from saying this is mine, this is mine. That is tazkiyah. And that is the spiritual part of zakah. And Allah is not interested really in, your, in, 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 in the amount that you've given me. Allah is interested is are you becoming a less greedy person? Or are you giving your zakah and saying, well, I've given my zakah, the rest of the money is mine. The rest of the year is mine. And now I can do what I want because I've paid my taxes. I've done my time, in other words. Like the prisoner would say, I've done my time. So that's it, that's it. Next year, Allah has to wait for next year now. The world has to wait for next year. Until I decide again, until... Ramadan comes again, forgive my zakah. Fasting. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Allah, we know fasting. Fasting is to stay away from food and drink. That's the easy part, the physical part. It has a physical side. And it's amazing how every ibadah has a physical side. And every ibadah, Allah doesn't talk about the physical side in the Quran. Allah only talks about the spiritual side. لَعَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ So that you may develop taqwa. What is taqwa? Taqwa is to spend time with Allah. To think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hajj. فَإِنَّ خَيْرَ zadi taqwa. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about hajj. And Allah says that the best provision you can take for hajj is what? Dollars? No. Money? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the best provision you can take is, is taqwa. And I know you like me. You know we look at the team and say I want to be there. I want to look at the haram. How beautiful it is. Two million people subhanallah. It is the outward that attracts us to Bakka. It's the outward. How many of us go to Bakka and we sit there and we think about Allah? No, but we want, why do we want to be there? Because everybody is there. You know, the world is there, you know. It's nice to be there, you know, in Haram and all the physical, all the physical stuff we like. And of course we stay in the five-star hotel. But what about the other side of Hajj? What about going there to spend time with Allah in His, in his most blessed house on the earth? After all, you're visiting Allah, he's given an invitation. He said, Faik or Muhammad, come visit me. There's an invitation, there's your ticket, there's your money, come visit me. Do we really visit Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Really? Or do we just visit the haram? We visit Kaaba? Or we visit Arafah? And the only time we may remember Allah is when we think about all the sins we commit. We say, Astaghfirullah, then we start crying. So every ibadah has its physical side and every ibadah has its spiritual side. Now let's come to iman. You may say, but iman doesn't have a physical side. Iman is to say, Ashadu wa la ilaha illallah wa anna muhammad. There's no, there's no ibadah in iman. There's no, there's no ruku, there's no sujood, there's no going, making tawaf. There's just la ilaha illallah. But even, the, even iman has a physical side to it. And most of Iman has, has a physical side. The other ibad has a lot of spiritual sides, but Iman, most of it is physical. Most of it is outwardly. Most of it is what we must do. And that's why the Nabi said, Al-Imanu bid'un wa sab'una shu'ba. Iman is divided into more than 70 parts. A'laha kalimatu la ilaha illallah. The highest part of Iman is to say, La ilaha illallah. 
وعدناها إماتة الأذى عن الطريق والحياء شعبة من الإيمان The Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says the lowest part, this, maybe the 75th part, is to pick up an obstacle from the road or the pathway where people walk. So Iman is not just to say La ilaha illallah. There are 70 parts of Iman. The highest, the top is to say La ilaha illallah. But the other 75 parts is things that you do. And the smallest thing that you do, which is an expression of your Iman, is to pick up something from the road, to say, oh, there's a stone, let me pick it up, they put it on the side. So people won't walk, or there's a piece of glass, or there's a banana peel, or whatever, or there's, a, there's something lying in the road, somebody's tire will go into it, let me remove it. And modesty, modesty is part of iman. So you can decide to develop only your iman by saying, well, I say the kalima, so I'm a Muslim, so that's it, you know. That's only one part of, 70, of more than 70 parts of iman. The rest is your practice. The reason is what you do. Not what you do for yourself, what you do for the environment, what you do for humanity. These are all parts of every single ibadah, including iman, is divided into the physical and the spiritual. And we need to decide which dimension we concentrate on. You concentrate on the physical side, or do you concentrate now in Ramadan on the spiritual side? We have one more day. There's another day. There's a day today. Juma, the last Juma of the month of Ramadan. You can think about how you're going to perform it. Prepare yourself spiritually of how you're going to stand in front of Allah. Think about Allah. Thank Allah. Be with Allah. Because that's what Salah is. That, was, that, is, that is what worship is. The month of Ramadan, we read the Quran. Month of reading the Quran. And we've been reading the Quran the whole month. MashaAllah, congratulations to those, those of us who completed a, a khatam in the, or maybe more khatams in the month of Ramadan. May Allah SWT bless you and reward you, inshallah. But what is the essence of the Quran? What is the essence of the Quran? What is the juice that comes out of the Quran? And I want to give you the essence of the Quran in one sentence. In one sentence, I want to tell you what is the essence of the Quran. The essence of the Quran or the Quran rather is to metaphysics, the one I'll explain it. The Quran is to metaphysics what Newton was to physics. What am I saying? What is the essence of the Quran? What is metaphysics? What is, who is Newton? What is physics? And how do the two go together? What is the one got to do with the other one? Who was Newton? Sir Isaac Newton. He was an empirical physicist mathematician. Lived in the 16th century. Discovered what may be called, they said this is famous Legendary story about him, he sat under the apple tree, the apple fell, fell on his head, and he thought about why doesn't the apple fall upwards, why does the apple fall downwards, and why does the apple fall down in a certain angle, and so when he discovered the law of gravity, and he wrote theories and whatever else. And everything he did as a physicist, and as a mathematician, 
if we do the same experiments today, we'll get the same answer. In other words, he came to teach or he came to, 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 to examine the relationship between cause and effect. If you do this, that will happen. If you do that, that will happen. Cause and effect. So in the natural world in which you live, there's cause and effect. If it rains, everything will get wet. That's the cause and that is the effect. If you, if you light something with fire, it will burn. That's cause and effect. So in the natural world, in the physical world, we have cause and we have effect. And that's what Newton came to teach us in the physical world. And there are, I'm sure lots of you know much more about this than what I do. So Newton, as an observationist, he looked at the world. He looked at the physical world. And he studied the physical world. And, and the Quran? What does the Quran teach us? What is the essence of the Quran? The Quran teaches us how the metaphysical world works. The metaphysical world. And what is the metaphysical world? The metaphysical world is that world which you cannot see with your eyes. It is the spiritual world. And in the spiritual world, my dear brothers and sisters, there's also cause and effect. Everybody knows? You, could, you cheat, isn't it? Human beings cheat. And cheating has an effect. It may not have an effect like it has in nature, but things happen to you when you cheat. Either in the law, people take you to court if you cheat, but you can get away with it there, you get a good lawyer, you get away with the technicality. But we know that spiritually, if you cheat, you can't get away with it. Can't get away with it. Catches up with you sometime. Allah said that in Qiyamah you'll be punished for it. And Ramadan, for example. Ramadan is its physical side. You stay away from food and water. But maybe still you're Fasting won't be accepted by Allah. So why? Because the Nabi Sallallahu says, "Man lam yada qawla zur, wal bi." Prophet Sallallahu said, "If you don't stay away from guarding your tongue in the month of Ramadan, you still speak about other people. You still speak ill about other people. You still swear in the month of Ramadan. Allah is not interested then in your fasting. You can may as well eat, no problem, because you have gone against the spiritual injunction of the Quran." And of Allah You have not followed the rule as it should have followed. And every religion knows this. The Hindus know it. The Christians know it. The Jews know it. And the Muslims know it. The Muslims have the clearest idea of cause and effect when it comes to human behavior. Allah talks about, talks about the Hajj. What does Allah say about the Hajj? Allah says, Bissar says in the hadith, people will come for Hajj. They will be in the Ihram. They will stand in Arafah. They will cry their hearts out. They will plead to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the angel will come to them and say to them, You come, your clothes is from Haram. Your ticket money you got is from Haram. 
Your earnings is from haram. You still want Allah. You think Allah is going to respond to you? You think Allah is going to answer you? Despite the fact that outside you are completely physically in a state of ihram. But inwardly, in your heart there's no ihram. There's never been ihram. Because everything you have and everything you do is spiritually wrong. Yamhakullahu riba wa yurbi sadaqat. Allah talks about riba and you can't see riba. It's not something physical, you can't see it. It belongs to the metaphysical world. The, the, the hurma, the prohibition of riba. What does Allah say about riba? Yamhakullahu riba. Riba will disappear. Riba is money that disappears. Allah is the yamhak. Mahik means the moon when it disappears. Now you see the moon, and then it disappears at the end of Ramadan. And you have to look for it again. Last night there was no moon. It's gone. Gone. Allah says the same about riba. Yamhakul, the same word for the waning of the moon and the disappearance of the moon. In other words, we know it's there, but it's, it, it can't do us anything. The moon is gone. And so with riba, so with interest. You think it's in the bank. You think it's there, but it's not there. Allah makes it disappear. In 2007, 2008, three billion dollars disappeared in one night from the world, from the banks of the world. Three trillion, sorry, three trillion dollars. Greece is in trouble. Why is Greece in trouble? Greece doesn't owe the European Union so much money, but 50% of it is interest. 50% of it is riba. Riba has destroyed the whole of Greece. It's gone. Its country is gone. It's, it's going to be in a state of dependency for the rest of its existence. And so Allah says, وَيَمْحَقُ اللَّهُ الرِّبَى وَيُرْبِي الصَّدَقَاتِ That also we can't see. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but that which you give it, Allah compares riba to charity. Allah says, but that which you give in charity, you rabbi, Allah makes it grow. <coughs> Subhanallah. Look how Allah describes, that which you give away, that grows. Allah says, that which you give away, it grows. La ilaha illallah. But what do we think? We think when we give away, we have less. Now wait, I've got 10 rand. I can't give the ten rand to the beggar. I will have no money left. So I don't give him anything because I've got no other change. Going in the pocket, you say, yes, I've got a 50 bucks. I've got a 10 rand. I can't give him a 10 rand. But I've got no, well, here's a 2 rand. Oh, there's a 5 cents. I can't give, it's okay. Fine. Don't worry, it's okay. Next time I see you, I'll give you. Don't worry. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, what you give away grows. And it doesn't just grow in this world. It grows in the year after. You plant a tree. Every time you give sadaqah, you plant a tree in the year after. It grows. That's what the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. Jannah will be an empty plain. Jannah will be empty. There are no trees in Jannah. Jannah is empty. The foliage and the trees and whatever is in Jannah, we, we, we plant it here in the dunya. When I say Subhanallah, I plant the tree in Jannah. We say, I say Alhamdulillah, I plant the tree in Jannah. When I give sadaqah, I, I build a castle in Jannah. If 
I say, Assalamu alaikum, Allah builds a castle for me in Jannah. Subhanallah. If I build a masjid, Allah builds for me a house in the Jannah. Subhanallah. And that's how Jannah becomes full. So if you get to Jannah one day, there's no trees and you must know. She's made more istighfar and more subhanallah, more alhamdulillah. So Ramadan then is a month in which we need to look, me and you and all of us, like I said, the ecology of the world is destroyed. And the ecology, the natural world as we see it, is a reflection of the inner world inside man. And because we, are, we have destroyed our inner self, we're destroying the world. We don't care anymore. What is, the life of, what is life about today? Everybody talks about standard of living. Everybody wants to get to a higher standard of living. But we've never had so much poverty in the world. There's never been such an imbalance of the distribution, not of money, of food. And yet there is so much food. In Ramadan we have so much food on our tables. That after Fajr in the morning, when the morning comes and we go into the kitchen, we don't know what to do with all the food that's still standing there on the table. The fridge is full of little buckets, full of last week's food that we didn't eat for suhoor. So much food. So many food parcels. I'm amazed. Every photograph you look at on a, on a Muslim site, they show you just food parcels. Masjids and masjid full of food parcels. Everybody's making food parcels. But yet there's so many people outside there walking around with, with shopping trolleys. You can see the indigent. They're poor. They're suffering. Nobody gives them a food parcel. All the Muslims give their food parcels to the same Muslims every year. Expect Allah to give the reward you for it, you're going to get zero reward for it. You're feeding people who have. I mean, you can't give ten food parcels to one Muslim family. And why? Because we don't coordinate, you see. If the Zakafan has 10,000 people on their books, then somebody else has got the same 10,000 people on their books. And organization 3 has another 10, the same people on their books. And organization 4 and organization 5. And we think we're such a great community. But we live in a community of starvation. People who, who have nothing to eat. But Muslims are giving parcels to everybody, left, right and center. Come eat morning, we still haven't distributed most of the food parcels. And we think we so. Allah is going to punish us. Well, there's Malawi, there's Mozambique, there are people who are, people who are really starving. There's, there's the Middle East. I mean, there's, there's so much that we can do. But all we do is, we only think about ourselves. And nobody wants to break out of this. Nobody's breaking out of this and saying, okay, let's, let's take half of Fitra and give it somewhere else. Not in Cape Town. Let's send it somewhere. Let's set up offices somewhere else where there's real poverty. Real poverty, like in Malawi, real poverty. Like in some places, I mean, 50% of the people living in this country live below the breadline. Do you know that? 50% of South Africans live below the breadline. Children die in this country of not having enough food. But no, we, we live in a fishbowl. We, we Muslims look after ourselves. We only look after our own. 
Ramadan is not for other people, it's only for Muslims. Generosity of Ramadan only extends to my Muslim brother. And Allah SWT will say to us on the day of Qiyamah, Allah will call and say, come here. I was... SubhanAllah. And this appears in the Bible also. The same narration is to be found in, 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 uh, in Matthew, in the Bible. And people say, but how come it's in the Bible and the Prophet spoke about it? It's because the source is the same. The source is from Allah SWT. So what does the Bible say? What does the Prophet say? Allah will say on the day of judgment, Oh my servant, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. And we will say, Ya Allah, you are the Lord of the universe, you were hungry? How could, how could you have been young, hungry? You're, Lord, you're the Lord, you, you're the creator of everything. Allah will say, so and so was hungry. And you didn't feed him. Not so and so, Muhammad. Not so and so, John or Michael. So and so, anybody. Allah will say, so and so was hungry and you didn't feed him. Allah will say, if you did feed him, you would find me there with him. And Allah will say, I was sick and he didn't visit me. And Allah will say, Allah, how can you be sick? You're the Lord of the universe. And Allah will say, you knew somebody was ill. You knew somebody was sick and you never visited him. And we say, but how can we visit? And Allah will say, if you had visited him, you would have found me there with him. And so Allah will say, somebody was without clothes. He was naked and you didn't give him clothes. And, or I was naked and you didn't give him clothes. And Allah will say, Ya Allah, how can we, how can we clothe him? And I'll say, well, you knew half of your community in South Africa. People you work with. People you see in the roadway. You don't say, brother, come here. I've got a pair of shoes for you here. Or something. You'll see the person walking with broken shoes. With, a thin, with thin clothes in the heart of winter. So, yes, Ramadan is about taqwa. It's about Allah consciousness. It's about thinking about the world. It's about thinking about what we do inside than what we do outside. And you know Ramadan teaches, this Ramadan has taught me a very big lesson. Because I was ill most of Ramadan. And I had to be indoors because of my chest. And I looked at all the things that I do in Ramadan. When you're at home, you do a lot of stuff. You read the Quran, read my kitabs. Do so many things that I always wanted to do without any pressure. And I thought of all this that I'm doing, of all this, all the ibadat that I'm doing. What is the most precious thing that I've done in this month of Ramadan? And what is that which I would like to carry over after Ramadan? Because every Ramadan you must think about something that you'd, you'd, you'd want to take it out. Because, you know, we read the Qur'an and after Ramadan, well, you know, we read the Qur'an, we don't read the Qur'an. We always make salah. And I discovered that the Nabi Wasallam had given to us what is called a family salah. Family salah. I renamed it the family salah. May Allah forgive me if I've committed this. But I named it family salah. It is the only salah that involves your family. You know salah, you go to the masjid. Prophet Sallallahu said, where must you perform farud salah? In the masjid. Where do you perform tarawih salah? You go to the masjid. But there's one salah that is called family salah. A salah where you and your family can make that salah together. 
In fact, that is, that is the only salah you make with your family. Which you have to make with your family if you make it. Nobody else is involved. Salat al-Tahajjud. Salat al-Tahajjud is, a, you know, the Prophet house was, yes, the masjid, yes, his house. If he step out of his house, if he put his foot out by the door, he is in the masjid al-Nabawi. We know there was a door uh, on, on this side, yes, the mihrab, and the mimbar, here was his, the door of his house. He stepped out, he walked on the mimbar or into the mihram. Where did he perform tahajjud? In the masjid? No. Where did he perform tahajjud? In, in his house. Who did he wake up? Aisha. Woke up Aisha. If he's, and if he was with, somebody, with his other wife, he used to wake up his wife. Nabi Sallallahu said, Subhanallah. So, one thing I'd like to encourage you, because that is also a salah where you know you're not doing it for nobody sees you doing it. You get up five o'clock in the morning or three o'clock or four o'clock. Nobody there to see you, you know, you're getting up. Only you and your wife know, she knows, and you know, and maybe the family that's with you in the house know your children know. So it's a salah where you spend real spend real time, you know, quality time. You spend real time with Allah. Real time. You spend time, not give time. It's the difference. You know, when you go, when you say, I'm giving my time. When you give time, you want something in return. Either your boss must pay you because you're spending five, six hours at work. You're giving your time to him. But tahajjud salah is where you spend time. Now, don't now go tomorrow morning, get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and make tahajjud or 3 o'clock and then on Sunday morning you forget. No. Remember Nabi Sallallahu said, Allah loves things which are done a little bit always. So okay, I'll make two rakats, khalas, go sleep. Then in a month's time you make four. Then in another month's time you make six. But try and, you know, always never bring our wives. Sometimes, sometimes our, some of our wives never see the inside of the masjid except when they find flat on their back. And, and four people have to carry them in to the masjid. And we never have time sometimes, you know, there are some of us who are very spiritual, very pious. We make all our salahs in the masjid. It's a good thing. But when do you really spend time with your wife and your children? That is the time at Allah. That is the family salah. Salah to touch. And that's why Allah subhanahu instructs the Prophet sallallahu Allah subhanahu wa says, at night, that is the time when you spend with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So may Allah subhanahu wa give, inshallah, may Allah accept all our fasting in the month of Ramadan. May Allah subhanahu wa accept our taraweeh that we made. May Allah subhanahu wa accept the sadaqat that we made, all the fitrah that we gave. May Allah subhanahu wa accept all the zakah that we gave. And may Allah subhanahu wa make us of those who will look inside. يَوْمَ لَا يَنْفَعُ مَالٌ وَلَا بَنُونٌ إِلَّا مَنْ أَتَى اللَّهِ بِقَلْبٍ سَلِيمٌ Turn away till you're my age to look inside yourself. You know, Ramadan is so beautiful. You walk in the road, you see a woman, you look down. I always think it was amazing, eh? Ramadan, you go to KC and you walk, and you see a pretty woman, or you see something, and you look away because, you know, you think it's Ramadan. 
what a beautiful month this is. Subhanallah, you know, what, what a beautiful month. And you think I didn't look and, you know, it didn't affect me and I, and I, I feel so good because I, I didn't do anything which Allah was displeased with. You know, you sometimes see a beautiful and you look and then afterwards you say, I shouldn't have looked, you know. I saw something which I shouldn't have looked at. You know. But now you don't look and you feel good about yourself. So that's another thing that we can, we can extend to after Ramadan. We can extend our behavior after Ramadan. And as the Nabi said, modesty, modesty is part of your faith. And I saw a clip the other day about a, a janaza in Australia. This imam was standing next to the grave. And he was saying, you know, the man, they didn't close the grave yet. The, the body was in the grave. And he, he gave a speech, he gave a talk. And he was saying, you know, if this brother could only tell you how much he would like to make one more sujood. This brother could only tell you how much he would just like to give one cent more sadaqah. If this brother could only tell you what it, what it means to him to have said just one more subhanallah. And you know, we have this opportunity. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give that we uh, we back here inshallah next year Ramadan. And may we not only and you know difficult job imam you know to be imam is a difficult job. It's a difficult job because you look at your congregation and the people and you always think you know I'd like to correct that, I'd like to correct that, I'd like to tell them this, and I'd like to tell them that. Like, I mean, I've tell, told, telling you now, since I've been here before and now, dress up for Juma. I don't know how else I can, maybe I should have a van parked outside here with a lot of suits in it, and abayas and stuff, you know. So when you come here, you can, you know, look like gentlemen. Because Allah Allah's that is one thing, we have to respect, respect goes along with respect the space. This is a sacred space that we're in. And we have to respect this space, you know. Allah SWT is going to ask us in different The way we dress is, the, is our attitude towards the space that we're in. And it's a simple thing that you can do. The Nabi SAW said, you could, Nabi, it's a hadith, the Nabi said, you, 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 most of you can, can go to Ibn Kathir, on the internet, Ibn Kathir. Go, go look at the, the verse on Jum'ah. Go and look at the tafsir of that verse. And there's a hadith with the Prophet quotes there. Prophet says, You have so much clothing, can't you have two? The hadith mentions two sets of clothing for, for Friday. Interchangeable. But you just wear it on a Friday. As part of your respect for the house of Allah subhanahu why? Can you ask my, what's wrong? You know, Allah doesn't look at the way I look. Allah looks into my heart, you know, Sheikh. You know, and I took wudu at home, so, and I, and I stinge myself, so I'm not dirty. You know, what is this thing about wearing a suit and wearing a tie and wearing a, or wearing a juba or wearing a, whatever it is that we should wear? But what are you coming to do here? What is the most important activity when you come to the masjid? The most important activity is to stand in the presence of who? Of the Imam? No, no. To stand in the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we stand here in these rows here, we're not standing, we're standing in the presence of Allah. 
Like you in Arafah, you stand in the presence of Allah. There Allah has told you what to wear. Because Allah knew. If I had to leave wearing to these people, these ummatis of mine that I created, they'll come with jeans and all kinds of stuff on Arafah, and techies and what have you. So that we must transfer to the masjid. You stand in the presence of Allah. Let me be at my peace. I must smell nice. I must look nice. I must smile. Everything nice, you know, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you think Allah doesn't see it? Of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees it. Because what is the foundation of all that we do? Ihsan. And what is Ihsan? An ta'bud Allah ka'annaka tara. فَإِنْ لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَى فَإِنَّهُ What is ibadah? How must you make ibadah? As if you can see Allah. For what does Allah say? For verily Allah looks at you and can see you. You stand here, Allah is looking at you. But he's got a, he's got a what? He's got a tracksuit pants. He's coming to me with a tracksuit pants. With a t-shirt. But when he goes to work, he puts on a suit and a tie. He comes to me with a tracksuit, pants and a t-shirt. فَإِن لَمْ تَكُنْ تَرَى فَإِنَّهُ يَرَاكَ Allah says, I'm looking at you. 24-7, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you. خُذُوا زِينَتَكُمْ عِنْدَ كُلِّ مَسْجِدٍ Allah says in the Quran, command, خُذُوا Put on your best clothes when you go to the masjid. So two lessons today. Tahajjud. And when you come to the masjid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Come to the masjid every time you come like you'll come tomorrow morning. Again, we put on our best clothes on Eid morning for what? Why? To show other people my Amani suit or my new shoes that my daddy bought for me, whatever. If we sincere, we will come every time we come to the masjid in the Amani suit. And every time we come to the masjid, we look like like Prince, whatever it is. So these are simple lessons. These are simple, simple lessons. Simple lessons for what end? To what end? Because if you dress up for masjid, you become conscious of Allah. Say, why am I dressing up? The wife will say to you, why are you dressing up? You're only going to the masjid. Then you'll smile and say, but I'm going to stand in front, I'm going to Allah. I'm going to stand in the presence of Allah. So the consciousness is there. But if you come in a t-shirt and a jeans, you haven't even thought about Allah. You just think, I'm going to make the word salah. That's it. Just run quickly into the masjid and make the word salah. So all these things create a consciousness of Allah. In Ramadan, we show Allah also our inside. No food in the stomach. So we should also show Allah outside. So may Allah make us. That's why the Nabi Wasallam, when he looked in the mirror, Whenever he looked in the mirror, what did he say? Kama, oh Allah. I forgot. Kama ahsan ta khalqi, fahassin khuluqi. 
Nabi Sallallahu when he looked in the mirror, what did he say? He said, oh Allah, just as you made me beautiful, make my character also beautiful. So two things. Prophet didn't say, just make my character beautiful. No. He said, just as you made me beautiful, make my character also beautiful. So two things go together for a Muslim, the character and the... Wallahu ta'ala alam, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh.